In this episode of the Sustainable Fashion Podcast, we conclude our Clubhouse Fashion Series with our expert panel and discuss what is sustainability and what does it really mean for the fashion industry. So what you were mentioning about shoes and 3D printing and stuff, I know uh, Nike do some of that. They offer the high-end customization service with the 3D printed soles and stuff. Um, do you think that's something that could promote that sentimental value you were talking about to promote longevity yeah, that kind of customization side of things also uh, in footwear is really relevant uh, in terms of sizing because, uh, you know, although we have these kind of standardized sizes, actually there's no one global sizing standard um, and uh, anyone you speak to has had problems kind of fit, finding shoes to fit. So actually, um, yeah, if it was 3D printed, then it can be 3D printed to order in your specifications um, aesthetically but also in terms of the fit which in theory should extend the longevity as well as yeah build that emotional connection with it because yeah. it's perfect for you yeah the only thing is is that <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no 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 you're spot on you're spot on um yeah some people need that arch support but i won't get into that <laughs> um yeah, but but the the 3D printing, yeah, I think I think yeah. the materials that are being used at the moment, uh, yeah, they're, they're not quite there yet compared to some of the materials that we have been using for footwear. Uh, but the advantage is you can make a, a pair of shoes out of a single um, a single material. Yeah. So it can then be shredded and reused, um, but you can't just use uh, that recycled material to make a new pair you have to use some virgin material as well okay. so that yeah so that sometimes um, companies kind of pull the wool over your eyes about that but it's because yeah, yeah. i guess in the next 10 years um, a lot of the stuff about innovation was potentially you know applying certain processes to in new scenarios and stuff like that so they might i guess something could come out of the woodwork you know just using can I just come back to the fit because that's really interesting actually that's one of the biggest problems again in um, fashion because and we, we can't solve it yet and, and this is where technology and actually data can um, is implemented and um, because essentially that leads into overproduction and issues with returns and um, all these kind of um, wasted um, uh, runs of um, production. So, yeah, this is where we're kind of exploring this whole idea of, you know, universal standard sizing or actually the most uh, 3D scanners mm -hmm. that it's become kind of a, a default for some brands. Um, but it could be mainstream potentially, so that could be really interesting to actually really know to your size and bite yeah. for size to avoid returns and yeah, sure. issues like that. So I have a question. Um, basically, mass customization. This is like a concept that I heard about through you guys, and my question is like, how realistic? And maybe Liv can put some insights into that as well. How realistic is it to? mass customised, there's um, 9 billion people on the planet if they want a garment from a designer to get their actual perfect fit so even in terms of shoes in terms of clothing and that, that is a big um, sustainability issue so where where does this um, 
how realistic is this mass customization? So do you want to kind of explain your understanding of it? And then maybe um, Katrina can criticize. <laughs> and then everyone else can kind of input into this little dialogue that is going to take place. Because I, I have questions about it. I like the idea, but I don't know how, like even um, how, um, how expensive our garment's going to be if you have to actually do that. Can, can people, people buy fast fashion garments and high street brands because they're cheaper and maybe that's in their living means and expenses. So how are you going to manage the whole population's um, need for clothing when some people could be outpriced of the, of, and everyone needs clothes? So what is it? What is the solution? Yeah, because I guess it, it comes down to that efficiency of the production process again, I think, because uh, looking at um, Nike, for example, I think they were saying that when they launched the, um, the customization service they offered, something like 15 to 20 different customization options could come out at something like $200 or something, you know, so it is really expensive, I think. Um, I think the idea we were getting at was that with higher automation, there's the overall cost of production could come down, so that could validate you know, more intricate customization, more options, you know, whether that's, yeah, so things like actual dimensions, you know, bring stuff in in weird areas and stuff like that, just to make sure it's, uh, you know, yeah, better fitting, essentially, yeah, so. So, Katrina, what, what do you think? Well, uh, I'm just trying to always look at it um, from, the, from the bigger picture, uh, from that kind of point of view that, Yes, we do need clothes. It's not going to go away. We can't just stop making garments, of course. Um, but how do we do it? There's no one answer that fits all. Uh, we do need different types of um, markets and, and brands and companies, etc. Um, you know, the efficiency is necessary to bring the price down. But I think we are at a stage where we sort of hit another extreme. So again, coming back to what we talked about earlier, um, it kind of we lost the value and the copy-paste um, sort of uh, fast fashion element of it that um, we are expecting to pay so little for garments and there's no real value and somebody somewhere is paying for that. Um, so if it's environment or um, the labor in third world countries. So we need to kind of address that really, um, you know, that people are willing to pay for customization um, so that's added value so that you know so it's the relationship within the price the value and essentially if we talk about sustainability I mean sustaining a fashion brand or business it's about knowing your limits really I mean that, that, otherwise it's a different model than you know when we talk about um, um, circular economy model for fashion which is a lovely idea but um, it, in in practice, um, you have to add profit on top of it, so it becomes more spiral. So that becomes a difficult conversation to have and, and implement. Um, it can function within the materials, that's what we're doing right now. But with the customization, coming back to that, yes, yeah, so um, it's definitely going not to fit everybody and every brand. And I guess we have to really think about you know, who, I mean, essentially at the moment it's about, you know, having monopoly, uh, you know, and, and, you know, big brands like, eight or big companies, uh, groups, Inditex and H&M and Primark taking most of the pie, you know, so, and then the rest of us are sort of like left with questioning what sustainable brand is or sustainable fashion is. 
And where does the customization come in? You know, is it for the mass market or is it just for the luxury? Um, so I think it's important to question that. And you know, we all want to buy cheap clothes. And is that okay? I mean, if you think about it, some of the high street, uh, high street, um, fast fashion rather, even high street these days, um, some of the price of garments is cheaper than a sandwich. You know, how is that okay? How do we get to this point? You know, um, so for me, that's the question before and then kind of think about how adding customization could benefit a brand or is just another add-on sure. to complicate a system so sorry to be the no, uh, devil's no, advocate but, um, your angle is perfect to push the conversation but I just wanted to hear from Liv um, from your experience is mass for a brand that, like the brand you work for could mass customization be something that's implemented I mean, for me, I really don't see any sustainability in that because you would have to redo all the patterns, you would have to cut it, like, specially for that size and all those things, and it would be so much waste. When you do your production and you calculate with your sizes, with your forecast, like, everything is planned for, like, material usage, like, you have no ways to really, like, optimize all those things, and if you would have, like people having different sizes all the time, you would everything would be out of control, like, even though you have, like, all the data and stuff, but it would be, like, it's totally, like, for me unsustainable because yeah it really doesn't go with like the planning and really trying to reduce that waste it would add on like so much waste and I think as you say people are not willing to pay like high prices for those things but then like you need to rethink like I want something like that's perfectly like fitting for me and then just go to your local tailor or just buy something and go to like we were talking about that app where like people can just go to your local like tell around like the corner and just like adjust clothes and all those things then they need to rethink like how what they want and what they're willing to pay because I think it's really something that would add like it wouldn't be sustainable at all. Can I just mention this um, if you remember the model a couple of years back Burberry was the pioneering brand for see by uh, see now by now um, so you know that we got really excited because it was about streaming the fashion show and ordering straight away but unfortunately, we never talked about what is behind it. And the reality is uh, that the team had to buy extra amount of fabrics for potentially half of the collection uh, because the main designer couldn't decide until five days before the fashion show which looks will be able to uh, be ordered straight away. Um, so the waste, the sheer waste created by this digital new uh, ways of buying clothes or using technology to kind of obviously drop the sales, which is so unsustainable. Uh, it's kind of died down now. But it's incredible how we kind of get attracted by these things. You know, And I have seen amazing customization, but at a small scale. It has to be realistic and, again, sustainable, whatever that means. So mm -hmm. limited, you know, to to certain degree customizing. So I've got, I'm going to move on to the next question because this conversation is interesting. But we need just to... Yeah. Oh, no, no, sorry, you no, want no. to move on, sir? No, 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 you can Just add your last... Quickly, in my personal experience, um, I got married a year and a half ago, and I got, like, an Indian wedding and all of that, and when I was picking my outfits, when I, I went to India to get them done, and, you know, the guys there would say to me, oh, everything can be changed, you know, like, this can be in whatever color you want, we can do any work on it, and to be honest, I couldn't really imagine it, and I wanted to see what it would actually look like, so I'm, I'm not convinced that something completely customizable was what people want.
because you just don't know what it actually will turn out as. That's really interesting. I was actually speaking to a designer I work quite closely with, um, Martina Spetlova. She, she's her brand M Woven is Woven Bags. And she said, I'm the designer. People buy things because they like my designs. Mm. They don't want to take it apart and have to design it themselves. Like, I can give them some color options, like these go well together. Or if they come to my studio to really have a personalized experience, we can talk through some colors. Maybe you want to switch this for this. But if I just say, <clears throat> here's 50 colors, which ones do you want together? They look at me blankly because, you know, I'm the designer and, and they're, they're doing, yeah, they're, they're buying into this because they're not a designer themselves. Mm. So I think that that is quite an interesting thing. You're kind of overwhelmed and yeah. you're like... I, I was so confused and I've mm -hmm. never been this confused in my life. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's a really interesting point because for me as a designer as well, that you know, uh, you, you want to be open uh, to your customers and listen to the feedback, but that's why we are creators and that's why yeah. we're putting something, you know, a universe creating. Uh, where is the limit, you know? Mm -hmm. How many offers, how many colors you can do? And then, as you say yourself, that a lot of people can't imagine that, you know, uh, or can't envisage something. They have to be shown something or be inspired by something, so yeah. And sometimes it's that uh, if, if you have too much choice, you choose nothing because you panic. Yeah. And I think uh, the, the shoe company Shoes of Prey uh, was trying to do um, and, and did successfully just to a point uh, mass customization of footwear. So this Australian company, they kind of grew and grew and their whole model was based on uh, being able to design your own shoes and get them made. Um, but why it couldn't be quite as mass market as they envisaged was that not everybody wants to, they think they want to design their own shoes, but then they get to that point and as beautiful as you can make the process and the tool and, um, but actually they're just like, they put together the things that they think and then they're like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and even I have a degree in footwear design and I couldn't kind of make it work to make something truly beautiful. It just, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think this is why this conversation is, really important because the ideas are nice ideas but there's a few points so I'm going to summarize let me my little summary and I've got another question and it ties into where the conversation is going so my summary is that there are nice ideas but the question is what is sustainability because these ideas that are positioned to be sustainable solutions are not sustainable in in practice. So that that brings into my mind the question: What do people mean when they say sustainability? I'm going to go on to my main question, but I just want to put this in your mind. So, is sustainable? To me, my understanding of sustainability is just really basic. It means it can go on forever, that it can continue. That is what sustainable is. So, sustainable fashion means that it will be circular, that it can continue to evolve and it can continue to progress. That's what I think sustainability is. But I feel like maybe people use the word sustainability to explain that it's good for the environment or something like that. So I think Liz brought in the, the conversation that mass customization is not sustainable, but the concept sounds sustainable in terms of the impact on the environment, but it's not sustainable for business. So that's so when we when I ask my question, 
what innovations do you think brands need to start considering to get a competitive advantage and move towards sustainability? What, when you answer that, what, what is sustainability? What are they moving towards? Is it um, more environmentally um, positive, um, less impact on the environment, or is it sustainable in terms of business can continue to thrive and grow? It needs to be sustainable in both respects. Business needs to continue, but also the environment needs to be saved. So that's that's what we're discussing. So um, I'll pass to Katrina first this time. Okay. Uh, where do we start? So, um, well, this is the misunderstanding that we're currently dealing with. We, we're living in a world of post-truth and misinformation. So, and greenwashing has become a huge issue within the fashion industry and, and beyond. Um, so what sustainable or sustainability means? So uh, the definition in, in a vocabulary, it's about um, balance between the environment and practice and sustaining something long-term. Um, is the current system like that? No. So that's a short, short answer. It's um, take, make, waste. So it's far from it. And um, so even without the climate crisis currently, we are not sustainable as a, as a business, as an industry. Now we're facing the crisis, which means we need to reduce CO2. So um, anything should be in a mode of panic and emergency and crisis. And if it was up to me, I would <laughs> definitely set up legislations with limitations and penalize uh, brands who are overproducing and using materials that are actually creating the problem. Because without that, it's not going to change rapidly within 10 years, if I'm being honest. And we're having these discussions and calls uh, with politicians and organizations that are um, sort of championing some legislations around this. And now, I mean, it really leads to, to that, really, to, to government um, and to organizations such as EU and UN. Yes, we are implementing the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which is crucial, but it's going to take a long time. Um, EU is already uh, more active within that. I mean, I don't know if you read that last year, uh, France already banned um, burning materials and overproduction. Um, so it's illegal now, which is still happily happening in other countries, um, including UK. Um, we had a, a report con um, uh, demanded by the previous government on fashion and sustainability in the UK which took about a year and a half to put together um, called Fixing Fashion. And there were about 25 recommendations um, by this committee, Environmental Audit Committee. And all of those were rejected because that just came um, to play just before Brexit decisions. So, you know, it's this kind of onwards and backward conversation, really. You know, on one hand, the UK government says, like, we're in a state of emergency and we're taking it seriously. So I just want to put it in context, you know. So. <laughs> what sustainable is in fashion, you know? Um, nothing, really, because we shouldn't be making anything at the moment because we're in a state of emergency. I mean, that's the baseline. Um, and then, of course, um, there are brands and companies and groups that are making a difference and they are trying better and, you know, um, they're amazing initiatives and changes, uh, reducing CO2, of course, in the process, um, and energy and materials. Um, but there is a huge confusion around what sustainable actually means and 
most in most of the cases that we see and with some of the organizations that I work for, we really audit and vet. And that's something that a lot of people just don't do and can't afford to do, you know, like what does it really mean being sustainable? And because it takes a long lot of time and effort and we can't always see or we can't measure that, you know, the impact. There are brands like the Reformation, for example, that they claim and, and, and do really well. But, I mean, if I just go to their store, half the collection is made out of rayon and viscose, which is not certified. So I wouldn't call those fibers and fabrics sustainable. So how can they say they use sustainable fabrics or they are carbon neutral? You know, so these are the kind of discussions that we need to have, which are not very comfortable um, because you don't want to call out the people who are doing something. So even, you know, uh, with Sustainable Angle, when we, we have about 7,000 materials that we would say are sustainable, but in a very different ways. So we have like four categories. So uh, looking at water, waste, biodiversity and chemicals. So defining them by some standards or um, sort of our matrix. Uh, and then again, if, if your fabric is sustainable and your whole, the rest of the supply is not, yeah. doesn't it all cancel that effort that you do, you know? Yeah. I think in the, last, in the last sustainability debate, the, the conclusion that we came up with is that sustainability is a journey. So there's no blue tick for sustainability. So you can't go into that conversation thinking one day I'm going to be 100% sustainable. If you're 10% sustainable today and then you become 70% sustainable, that's progress. If everybody's 70% sustainable, then it's better than everybody not being sustainable at all. So I think getting the idea that one day I'm going to get this blue tick certification or completely sustainable, sustainable business is not, yeah. is not helpful. And I just want to round it up because um, I don't want to sound, again, too negative, but just kind of realistic, you know, about these things that, yes, I totally agree. And any effort, it's better than nothing. And we can all make a difference as individuals, as consumers. That's really important. Even a lot of guys, especially we talked about, it, uh, they say, oh, I don't know anything about fashion. It doesn't concern me. You know, we all wear clothes, et cetera, et cetera. So but just coming to that. So, yes, absolutely. Every effort is good. But it's what is important that, yes, materials are extremely important because they can impact about all, up to 95% of the garments impact on the environment. So, yes, it makes a difference. We need to start designing differently, uh, thinking about the whole life cycle of the product and essentially disassembly or um, disposal of the garment or how do we recycle, how do we bring it back to the system. So that needs to change. And this is where I see technology really um, helping any business. So, you know, having some kind of blockchain technology within the company that communicates really well and understanding where things are at what time and how can they affect that and change it. Because there is a huge problem with the structure of companies uh, at the same time. Uh, that left hand doesn't know what the right is doing many times and boxes end up somewhere else, etc. It's still happening, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's about investing time into creating a clear business definition what sustainable business means for them according to UN um, sustainable development goals and um, some of the tools that we have already in the industry to basically inform yourself why am I doing this what materials am I using and what happens to the product after that I think companies must take responsibility it's been said already that they should be accountable for the product that they bring um, to life and what happens to it. So I think that's what needs to happen to be more sustainable on that journey. 
So just to um, just to summarise that point, so we can pass pass the book on to the next conversation. So to get a competitive advantage towards sustainability, you're saying that brands need to have clarity on what sustainability means to them, and then work towards building that. So getting clarity first on your direction, your trajectory will give you an advantage and then you can start making decisions. Yeah, research, 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 understanding what they can do in the in the big sort of area around sustainability within fashion because misinformation and not having the correct information or any, just assuming that something is better than that. You know, there's for example, there's a lot of talk of you know organic cotton. Oh, it's better than normal cotton. Not necessarily because if you yeah. start analyzing it, you know, organic cotton takes more water, etc. There's limited pesticides that actually affect the biodiversity. So, you know, it becomes quite interesting. So information, research, and understanding how you position yourself to sustain a long-term business plan. Yeah. We've come to the end of the first series of the Sustainable Fashion Podcast. In series two, we have some one-to-one interviews with global experts sharing how to do sustainability the right way. It's really great that you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about how the global fashion marketplace can help you with sustainability, you can join the conversation by visiting us at www.globalfashionmarketplace.co.uk.